0: Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Pirates Talk. The reaction I've received to the podcast is very gratifying. Thank you for your support. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. I invite you to subscribe to Pirates Talk on whichever is your favorite platform. Rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Today's guest is Jerry Walker, a member of the Seton Hall University Athletics Hall of Fame and a Stillman School of Business Entrepreneur Hall of Fame member for his work with Team Walker, a nonprofit he founded with his brother Jasper in his hometown of Jersey City in 1996. In his three years at the Hall, Walker was a quintessential power forward, an integral part of a team that won two Big East tournament championships and won its first-ever outright regular season conference title. In the 1992-93 season, Jerry was voted the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. That season, the Hall set a still-standing conference final margin-of-victory record with a 33-point win over Syracuse in the Big East Championship. They finished ranked sixth in the country, but suffered a heartbreaking upset at the hands of Western Kentucky in the second round of the NCAA tournament. The Hilltoppers were coached by Ralph Willard, father of current Pirates head coach, Kevin Willard. We talk about all of that and more, including the developmental issues that he dealt with early in his life on this edition of Pirates Talk. Jerry, thanks so much for giving me a few minutes of your time. I know all Pirate fans, not only on the basketball side, but community-wide are excited about hearing from you. Uh, Again, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: No problem, Matt. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Oh, no, uh, it is my pleasure. So I want to begin, and there are a number of topics that we'll talk about, and we'll focus mostly on your time in basketball with Seton Hall, but I I don't want to miss what you're doing in the community. So that's where I'm going to begin, your hometown, Jersey City. It's where you were born. It's where you were raised. You went to high school. You're back there now serving the community. Tell me about growing up in Jersey City and why it's been so important to you.
1: Well, growing up in Jersey City was a unique situation. You know, we, um, you know, I, I, it's funny, I, I tell people all the time, uh, you know, my professional career when I was abroad uh, over in Europe and I, I played in five different countries and one of the things that I always found was somebody was connected to Jersey City somehow. Anywhere I was at. And, and I did the research on it. And Marvin Hayes, the hospital, the medical center, if you know anything about Jersey City, we had a, a mayor called Mayor Hay. He mm-hmm. was the one that um, they called uh they, they turned that terminology the machine he didn't want to create all that so um he had a lot of power and he and he had a lot of influence on a federal level he brought back a lot of money to 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 this big hospital called the Mayo medical center in jersey city and um if you had like a, a problem with birth or something like that you would fly into the medical center uh for high-risk birth so people from all over the world would come there and i and it struck me to, to I always ran to somebody that was from Margaret Hayes, but it, it does my heart some good to be back in my community. Um, you know, social service work, been in my family uh, for over 75 years. I've been doing it now 25 years. My grandfather, James Bob Curry, uh, he did it for 50 years. He got inducted to the Jersey City Hall of Fame, and I like to think he was a little bit better than me. He he, he managed to do all his social service work with um, having 16 kids of his own, so my mom is one of sixteen. I come from a huge family, so I just love, you know, giving back and helping people
0: out. So tell me about your grandfather.
1: Yeah, Pop Curry, man. He he was a, he was a great man. He um he was so kind hearted, and I remember, you know, my community at one point they used to say, "All right, you can't live down there; so contaminated downtown Jersey City." But now look what's going on in downtown Jersey City. It's like it's probably um, pound for pound the largest area was being developed in the world right now. I mean, there's just so much development going on in Jersey City, but he was somebody that was really driven by education. He he believed in hard work, um, and he, he was a contractor too, and he had like um, Pop Curry and sons. He had a lot of sons that he had his own contracted business And And I can recall when we had a, a lot of different lots in the community, and I can recall the only time I ever saw the community building the community up was his project that he did he had like these uh row houses that he did on pacific avenue and and johnson avenue everybody from the whole community was just working on it it was a it was a sense of pride at that time and he was he was an incredible man if he you know they they used to say you know was the city list then it was pop curry list in terms of getting people hired through the city and everything and he was he, he didn't you know he didn't take no for an answer he really believed in what he was doing, and if he needed to get people to go down to City Hall, he would gather about 300 people from Lafayette, Project Montgomery, Booker T, and the community Paul section, and walk down to City Hall and, and and make noise and try to bring resources back to our community. He never he never um you know ran for political office. He was always behind a person that ran for political office. um So he was he was like a kingmaker, if you will, and he had a, like a lot of influence. Uh, in the Lafayette section of Jersey City. So he got inducted, like I said, like Jersey City Hall of Fame. He has a block named after him. So
0: he was a great man. You dealt with some physical disabilities when you were young and your mother was very forceful in saying, no, my son is not going to be pushed aside. He is going to right. work hard. He's going to get these opportunities. What were some of those handicaps, those disabilities that you had to deal with? And obviously the sport of your mom has certainly helped get you to where you are today.
1: Yeah, I love my mother for that. Cause I mean, you know, a lot of times when people classify you, you know, you fall into that class forever. My mother just didn't want to, you know, take that, you know, as my wife um, pattern. So she, she used to send me over to New York city with my uncle Andy, God bless his soul. And we would go to like this, physical, and I I, was, I almost thought something was wrong with me, I used to see these people, I'm like, man, am I is something wrong with me? But I, um, it was like my balance, you know, I was growing so fast and my balance wasn't on, my, my eyesight wasn't really that good, um, and my balance was like, I wasn't really coordinated, so my mother was sending me to these therapy sessions and how we have to walk on these beams and do all this type of stuff, and that's why I was kind of like a late boomer in basketball, Before I was growing, I was becoming like the tallest person in my family, but my physical capability at the time, because I was very smooth-footed, um, she was very concerned about that. Uh, then they correct like my foot, like I'm still slew footed today, but you know I was like way worse, like my I was like Donald Duck at one point. So <laughs> my mom really worked hard <laughs> in, in that area, and and I, and I thank God for that because you know a lot of times when um, school systems or you know people classify you as being a certain person, that kind of hinders you in your life. And my mother didn't want to, she didn't stand for that. She, she said whatever I got to do for my son is going, you know, that's what's going to be done. So. You know, like I said, I love my mom for that. And I did have to, you know, get over some obstacles. And it made me feel like less of a, you know, I felt like, I don't know the word for it, not, not a disability, uh, but I just felt, like, strange. Like, I wasn't really like everybody else. But that kind of drove me to, to, to get better, um, to go out and practice constantly. And I remember, I remember, like, when Biddy basketball, when I was a Biddy basketball, they would send me down a court just so I could score. And they would throw the ball to me. I would miss the ball and would go out of bounds. Something like that. So I was like, man, this is, this gotta turn, I gotta turn this thing around. So I just started working and training extremely hard, just practicing on my craft. By the time I got to my sixth grade, I started coming into my own. So I started scoring, getting double-doubles and everything else. By the time I got to my seventh grade year, oh man, I was like, I was, I was rocking and roll. By the time I got to my eighth grade year, I was the second best eighth grader in the country, okay? um, Kenny Anderson was number one. And I was number two. And I remember Kenny Anderson being on the, um, the David Letterman show, and they mentioned my name. Like, I was so thrilled about it. I got that tape somewhere. But, um, yeah, Kenny was, like, saying, oh, yeah, I'm going my mother house, this and that. But in my eighth grade year, I had, it was, like, 30 points, 20 rebounds. I had, I had a triple double <laughs> in my <laughs> eighth grade year. So, yeah, I, I grew. I was, like, six four, And then, I, you know, after that, I went right to St. Anthony's. And, and I'll never forget, because my brother he used to taunt me a little bit because he, he was a little bit two years older than me, my brother. And he's like, ah, oh, when you get to high school, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's going to be big and strong just like you. You ain't going to be able to do that. You probably have to play J. Lee and work your way up. So I was like, okay. So and I'm him, like, he just don't know. So Mr. Hurley would start having like open gyms and stuff like that. And I'll never forget the day when Coach Hurley would come in. He will put like um, like the varsity up, the freshman team up, the JV people that made the team, because it was like every it was tryouts. So I was looking at the freshman list. I was like, oh, I'm not on the freshman list. I looked at, it, I said, Well then I'm I must have made JV. I looked at the JV list. I'm like, man, I ain't on the JV list. I was like, what's going on? And then I went to the other wall with the varsity. There yeah, it was. My my brother couldn't believe it. I made varsity. And about the third practice. Uh, of my varsity career, Coach Hurley was like, because we had, like, the white team and the burgundy team, and I was on the burgundy team. And the white team was the starters. And I was doing so well in practice, and like I said, I was tall, and I was a rebuilding year for um, St. Anthony's, and Coach Hurley was like, you know what? Switch your shirt. You go to the white team. Um, <laughs> Sean, you go to the <laughs> to the to the, blue, the burgundy team. So my brother just, like, he was just, like, uh, he, he was, like, stuck, like because he thought I wasn't going to perform like that on the next level because everybody was bigger and stronger so i wound up starting varsity my freshman year okay i was the only one to start last year or four years at Saint anthony's And my freshman year i wanted i the mvp uh, in the state championship game and i'll never forget it because it was uh the same year when um louisville had won a national championship and Purvis, Purvis Purvis ellison he was an MVP and he was a freshman. So I would like prepared myself. Then I got a letter from Louie. You know, I was in school. So that, that's kind of like, that's the story of my development. So. Uh,
0: I love it. And and when you consider those trips across the Hudson and walking on those beams to try to gain some coordination yeah. and the fast development, incredible. And of course at St. Anthony, you capped your career. The team went undefeated 32 and O national yep. champions and what a roster. You, Terry oh, DeHair, man. of course, a great Seton Hall, among the all-time best. Uh, Bobby Hurley. Uh, yep. b- b- Roderick Rhodes was a freshman, wasn't he? Yep, yep, yep. Incredible. Yep. Then the Sean you mentioned, was that Sean Mooney? Yeah, Sean Rooney. Yep. Rooney, rather. Rooney, yeah. So what a team. Yeah, from out of Bale, he was about 6'8". He went to Duquesne. Yeah, what what an incredible collection of talent. Listen, man, you know about...
1: um. I would say
0: seven, eight years ago, Dime
1: magazine um, came out with um, the best teams of all times. And, and they picked my team as being the best team of all times in our country history. Forget about this. estate. a state and our country history. And I think it was, you know, the master was up there and um bar and teams. And I think look, LeBron James team was up there too, but it's probably because it was LeBron. I don't think he had an overall team like that, but um yeah, my team was so good. We, we were so good that year that we wanted to play, like, St. Peter's College. They didn't <laughs> want to play us. We would beat them. We would beat college teams. I'm serious. we would beat them. Because, you know, our defense was so good, man. It was so good. We had, like, this rotation defense that was that was just awesome. We would put the fists up, and all of a sudden, we would be trapping all over the place and, and just getting somebody still. And I recall, like, several games that, like, a team didn't even score in the first quarter, like, at all. So our defense was so good that I think it was the most underrated defensive team uh, in the history. Because you know, anybody talked about our offense because we, was, you know, we, was, we, was, we scored a lot of points too. So, but our defense was tremendous.
0: Well, people remember you beat uh, Elizabeth in the first tournament of champions. Luther Wright, right. who, Luther Wright, who became a teammate at Seton Hall, was on that team. Uh, they give you a little bit of a yep. challenge, but in the end, uh, the Friars came away with the victory. I forgot to mention Danny Hurley was on that team too. He was only a sophomore, but I mean, yes, he was. just just an incredible array of talent. So, why did you choose? So now you've got all this acclaim; you've become a prominent player. Why did you stay local? Why did you choose Seton Hall?
1: You know, I I love the state of New Jersey, and I always like going through the recruiting process. One of the things that you know Coach Hurley would say to me say, "Look, Jeffrey, you got to think about." what are you going to live out live at after playing basketball? Um, and you should, you should take that in consideration. And I, I said, you know, Coach, I, you know, that's true. Um, I, you know, I said to him, I, I wanted to live in New Jersey, and I love New Jersey. And he said, well, you got to consider, you got to really consider, you know, Jersey team there because if you're going to be residing at uh, in Jersey, that's going to, you know, most likely, that's where your stronghold with your alumni are going to be. And what a great decision I made. Um, by going to Seton Hall uh, because of that, that very reason and also because of Robert Cunningham uh, academically. So I made the right choice and the results of that that decision I made early on in my life, which was a great one. Um, you know, that's why I'm so successful with Team Walker and uh, it's because of the Pirate family that that continues to support me. And you know, I got guys that have been supporting me now for 20 years. Um, that's from the Seton Hall family. So, I just thank God for that. And I believe Blue. I love Seton Hall. I love what it did for me um, personally. And what I learned up there, too, and what I learned from Coach P.J. Calissimo, um, you know, I, I learned, you know, how to how to communicate better with, you know, with, with people through P.J. P.J. was so charismatic and so funny. And, and, and being that way got him to, you know, got him a long way in his career. So I kind of mimicked that from him and trying to tell jokes and make things lighter and stuff like that. So I learned a lot. For for both of my coaches, Coach Hurley and P.J. Um, as an example. So, um, but that, that's, that was a great choice I made to go to Seton Hall University and play in the Big East.
0: What did you take out of your three years at Seton Hall on the court? 25 wins the first year you played, 23 wins yep. the second year you played, and in your senior year, 28 wins, Big East regular season champs, Big East conference champs, unfortunately it yep. ended on a sour note. Overall though, yes. what were those three years about? What memories do you take out of those sellouts at the Meadowlands and the prominence that Seton Hall had?
1: You know, one of the things I you know like I was a student of the game, so I would always like read statistics or read like what teams we didn't beat in the Big East and you know, because you know, if you recall, Syracuse at that time had like a twenty year a winning streak on us and I said man I, I, this can't happen while I'm here we got to break this streak and I'll never forget you know playing uh Syracuse at the at the Meadowlands it was a packed house um and we wound up defeating them you know I, I remember the um you know student body stormed the court and everything else cuz it was like the first time we beat Syracuse ever in 20 years so so that was that was a big moment um and I remember who it, it, um, it was on um uh, what was that? Billy Owens um car and mccray they had a good team red archie they had a nice team uh but we wound up beating them that year uh and that was the first year and i i, I mean some of some of them games you know some of them big east games is minim- memorable like the georgetown games Me matching up with alonzo morning and kim bay obviously i was you know they, they was much taller than me but i was just a tenacious competitive and i didn't back down from folks you know i was a strong kid and And I I remember, like, just pushing Alonzo off the block. Like, I couldn't let him get close to the rim because he was so much taller than me. He was athletic, too. He would get frustrated with me because I was at, you know, I I had the center of gravity on him. I could push him off the block. And he would be waving his arms and making all these crazy noises and stuff. And um, me and Alonzo had, you know, a great deal of respect for each other. Um, But um, some of the Big East games, man, every Big East game was a war. I mean, that was the best thing about this conference. Like, we was always, you know, even in my senior year, um, you know, we was picked to win the Big East, but it was a certain places that you to go to. And all of a sudden, um, you, you know, you'll lose down at pit, you know, like we, we, you know, we were better than pit, but we, we went to pit and we lost, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, so I'll, I'll never forget the Big East games, but I'll, I'll also never forget the Big East tournament. I mean, we had some special moments, um, in the Big East tournament when I was there from OT time to. You know, us running the table on Syracuse and having the largest victory ever in the Big East history, uh, but that—that that, Oliver Taylor, when we won with Oliver Taylor hitting them buzzer shots, I mean that was like, it was wonderful, man. It was it was two nights in a row, and I mean it was just we was just on cloud nine, and um, but them some of the moments that stick out, and some of the NCAA moments stick out um, is when we played, you know, we played Arizona. You know, and at that time, Arizona, everybody was all pissed off because Arizona really should have been in a different bracket than UNLV because them was the top two talented teams that that year, and everybody wanted them to be faced off in the you know the national championship. But unfortunately, you know, they was on play. Um, they was in the same bracket, so we wound up playing Arizona in the Sweet Sixteen down in Seattle, uh, which my uncle, my uncle was there, my uncle Tommy. Um, and as I said we got some family out in Seattle and it was a wonderful experience having my family out there seeing you play uh, but uh, we wound up beating Arizona and nobody gave us a chance nobody gave us a chance I remember Arizona had like Sean Rooks and um, Brian Williams he wound up killing us oh, God bless his soul but um, also they had like you know, they had you know they had like seven guys that was that was going in the first round of the draft so we wound up you know Al style played play from the Big East was a little bit more rougher and, and 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 grind out than than they conference, so we just pushed these guys. It was like it was like they wasn't strong or something. It was like they was tall, but we we was just so much more physical than them that we just wore them down on defense and ran out drill and we wound up beating them. Man, and that was a highlight. We wound up losing to UNLV in the Elite Eight, um, but we played UNLV the closest that year. They wanted to win the national, um, but um, that, that was a great run.
0: East Coast tough baby. East Coast that's tough. That's right,
1: that's
0: right. By the way, not to bring up a bad point, but what happened in that Western Kentucky game uh, in oh, your man. final year? Because you know, ah, PJ PJ has been quoted as saying that was the best team he ever had. Your team in 92-93 was the best team he ever had. Yeah. And if you look at the talent, you can understand why. Finished overall sixth in the country in the final rankings. I mentioned the Big East yeah. tournaments, regular season and, and, and conference uh, tournament. So what happened?
1: I'm going to tell you what happened, man. Like, that's why the NCAA is such a wonderful event. And and, and if you let your guard down, okay, you couldn't be beat. All right? And, and that's what happened. We, I'll never forget, like, um, you know, our shoot-around, going over over their plays before we was playing. We were, like, not really into it. Uh, we wasn't really, like, you know, we were looking past them, playing Florida State. Um, cause that's what they had Ed, you know, they had Sam Cassell, you know, so they had a lot of guys on their team, but, um, we looked past this team, man, and this team, see, a lot of people don't know this. This guy, Wayne, I forget Wayne last name, but Wayne was the head, um, manager for Seton Hall when he was at Seton Hall and Wayne was actually one of the assistant coaches at, um, Western Kentucky. So they knew our whole system in and out. We couldn't get plays started. We started trying to, up and down with them instead of like throwing the ball out. and you know at that time PJ, you know, Luther had wasn't really into it. That us like saying, look, we're gonna pound it down low because they tallest guy was like what six eight, and they was thin. They was West Coast team. Instead of us playing that like, that East Coast rough, rugged and raw type style half court basketball, we started getting into a, a up and down game with them, and and a couple of us, a couple of players got foul trouble, whatever. I think Carnisheris, but we we. You know, we we played it to their hands, and we took them for granted, and that's what happened. I mean, we played that team ten other times. We, you know, we, we we beat them ten times in a row, um, but we just looked past them, and they just put it together. And before you know it, I mean, we was at the end of the game, and and they made all the right plays, and 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 that's what happened. We lost. I mean, that that was a disappointing year. Um, that was like one of the worst nights of my life. I, I um, everybody at that time, everybody, uh, in the whole country, had us going. I used to, you know, you would watch the people were, you know, picking the polls and stuff. Everybody had us going in the final four, and I think we kind of peaked too soon too. We had such a great, you know, Big East tournament that we peaked when we beat Georgetown. We beat by like thirty points or something. I mean, not Georgetown. Syracuse by like thirty points, and I think we peaked too soon and we took that team for granted because we were looking past them, and that's what happened in NCAA. You can't look past anybody.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, survive in advance, right? Is uh... The late, great Jim Valvano once said, and yeah, uh, one loss and you're out. What a club, though. Terry DeHair, Arturis Karnishevis, you, Luther Wright, Danny Hurley, Adrian Griffin. My goodness. Yes. What a collection of talent. Hey, I've taken a lot of your time, but I do want to end it with this, and I appreciate it. We could have gone on like we're just having so much fun. We could have gone on for a lot longer, but you're a busy man. I mentioned the freeholder position that you have, but the most important position you have is running Team Walker, which you and your brother, uh, founded uh, shortly after you left Seton Hall. You and he, in 1996, put Team Walker together. It's been an outstanding success for now coming up on 25 years. Tell our well, audience a little bit about Team Walker and what makes you so proud of what you've been able to accomplish.
1: Oh, um, man, I, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's like me and my experience with Robin Cunningham. And and, and one of the things that you know, I often tell Robin, like she said, she saw like one, of my, one of my high points at um, Seton Hall also came in a classroom. The doctor, Professor Gottlie, I think it was American journalism. Um, and, I, and I was preparing early uh, for the exam. And when she was going over the review for the exam, you know, I was answering all the questions. This is my first time in my career that everybody wanted to study with me. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, so, so Team Walker is, is, is just that, what I just said, like when you see a kid struggling and you know the kid got the potential to do something great, but they don't know it. But once you give them the tools and the confidence and a and, and level of uh, uh, commitment to them and let them know that, you know, you could do this, all of a sudden you see this light bulb going off and you see the kid, like, changing his life all of a sudden. That, to me, is worth millions and millions of dollars. Um, you know, I could be doing other things and I tell people often, like, you know, I'm doing God's work is what I feel like I'm doing, but I, I just believe that the kids in the city just deserve opportunities like I, I received, and and when my grandfather passed away, it was a lack of service in our community. And me and my brother decided I was making a decent amount of money then, and my brother was working on Wall Street at the time, so he's making good money. So we said, you know, we gotta we gotta do something. So we just started up Team Walker. We changed the name for name recognition, um, but you know, because my grandfather' program was called the Lafayette Neighborhood Association, and we just changed it to Team Walker. Uh, because we believe in a team concept and everything else. So we, we believe, and one of the things that was a misconception was uh, Team Walker was about, you know, athletics, given the fact of my athletic career, but that was so far from the truth. Our number one mission is education, and we're doing a, a great job with that. We have about 143 kids that graduated college. We have, uh, um, you know, a tremendous success rate when we in terms of the kids that graduated like a 98% success rate in terms of the kids graduating high school was the board of education got like a 61% um, rate. So we, we, you know, we feel good about what we're doing. We feel um, good about, you know, in the direction we, you know, we're going, one of the things that my grandfather never never had, he never owned his own building. We own, you know, we built our own learning center in the Lafayette section. Uh, It's a 10,000 square feet building. Um, So we operate out of that building. We have a strong um, connection and, and, and strong, um, Relationship with the Liberty Science Center, and one of the things that we push in is the 21st century learning, um, STEM, um, science, technology, and mathematics. So we lack it in the areas and trying to we'll prepare our kids for for the future. Uh, so we we just you know we love doing this, man. This is something that that I'm super passionate about. I don't feel like it's a job. It's something that I get up every day and look forward to doing. And if you find something that you look forward to doing, man, your, your life with just be be that much better and easier. And, and that's where I'm at right now. When it's out uh, you know, I had aspirations before to, you know, get into basketball, but I just felt like, you know, what I was doing in Jersey City was a little bit more um, important to get, you know, instead of going to basketball. Because when you get them kids, they they come into a system, they already got a scholarship. You know, I'm trying to get the kids to come through systems and, you know, get scholarships, that sort of stuff. So I just feel like, you know, you know, God, you know, pointing me in this direction, and that's what I'm, I'm fulfilling my my uh, my destiny now.
0: Well, you've taken the lessons that have been handed down to you by family, and you've learned them well. The roots are deep. God's work, indeed. You're doing some magnificent efforts and initiatives in the city. You've brought a farmers' market to the city. Uh, the the place yeah. is better because of your hard work. I appreciate your time, people. If you want more information, go to teamwalker.org. Teamwalker.org. Uh, Jerry Walker. Never really traveled too far. You went overseas, played basketball a little bit, but never really traveled too far from Jersey City. You're where you belong. You were put there for a reason, man. And thank you so much for your time.
1: Man, thanks for having me, man. And I appreciate this. And um, hopefully the fans out here got a kick out of this uh, interview. And, you know, I just want to say go pirates And and I'm looking forward to this season. And that's another thing. I, I felt so bad for the kids last year. And, because um, I really thought we had enough to to really make a run. We had a big. We had you know we had, we had enough to really make some noise, and we and we was gonna be positioned in the NC, in the in the East finally. Uh, so I do feel bad for them kids. So I'm hopefully they they all doing well, and hopefully you know Kevin to keep the the program going in the right direction. And I, and I believe he will. He's doing some great uh, a great job in recruiting. And I'm, I'm I'm also concerned about Danny y'all
0: well yeah right he's back (laughs) he's back back. UConn's back
1: back. (laughs) he's definitely back but um but yeah but um yeah man I appreciate the time too man and like I said you know go Pirates
0: Jerry Walker proving that you don't have to travel far to accomplish great things Jerry mentioned Robin Cunningham she is one of the hall's all-time greatest athletes a 1978 graduate Robin was a star on the basketball court and on the tennis court. She was the first woman recruited to Seton Hall on a basketball scholarship and is a member of the Athletics Hall of Fame. From 1984 through 2003, she was the Director of Academic Support Services for Student-Athletes at the Hall. Currently, she serves as Associate Vice President and the Dean of Freshman Studies at Seton Hall. She is a great Setonian. And I'm excited to announce that she will be my guest in an upcoming edition of Pirates Talk, so look for it soon. Special thanks, as always, to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the show, and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. What a talent. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Matt Lachlan. Stay safe, stay healthy, and let's go Pirates!